Hello, welcome to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. Happy early Halloween to everyone. If you, if anyone that listens to this podcast is going trick-or-treating tomorrow, so basically anyone that's 12 years or younger, uh, just please be safe while doing it. And to anyone that's handing out candy tomorrow night um, that gets trick-or-treaters, please be safe doing it. I think in our, our neighborhood, you have to like go to your driveway and set up like a table or something. And I think you just like toss it to them. I, th- I think that's honestly what it is. I'm not really sure. I have to ask my mom about it. But anyways, hope you all have had a great week. There's a big weekend coming up, of course, for the sports, you know, especially in this city. The Steelers have a monster game with the Ravens. Virginia Tech plays Louisville. Um, today was a good day with Mandalorian Friday. But of course, this is a Penguins podcast. And for today's episode, we are going to touch on some World Junior stuff. Canada uh, announced their big roster yesterday. Is it Was it their... Bit was it their actual? I think it was their roster invites or just their roster in general. But you know, it's a pretty stacked list. It could get even more stacked if some players, you know, like Lafreniere or hell, even Capo Caco could potentially go over um, if the Rangers let them. So this has the potential to be a pretty stacked juniors tournament. Um, we'll be touching on that now. And then in the next episode, we're going to talk about some of the most scariest and haunted moments in franchise history. It doesn't even have to be during the Sydney Crosby of Kenny Malkin era. We're going to go. Way back during the Lemieux era, potentially even before that, talk about some really just scary moments that happened with this franchise. You know, yes, we'll touch on David Volek, but that'll happen in the next segment. And that honestly may just make up two segments just because of how uh, long the list is. But Canada did announce their uh, World Juniors roster. Um, Only one Penguin prospect is on it. I mean, you guys could probably guess it. It is Sam Poulin. He's probably going to be in their top six, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I was actually talking to... King Clarky the other day of Penguins Twitter, who knows a lot more about prospects than I do. But I mean, him and potentially Hendricks Lapierre could be on the line together. He he really wanted Hendricks Lapierre to go to the Penguins. I mean, I think a bunch of people did, but of course he did end up going to the Capitals with a lot of injury history behind that. But still, that would be a lot of fun to watch. I mean, th- this this lineup for Canada, though, if you just go down this roster, it's just so stacked. Quentin Byfield, Dylan Cousins, the Blackhawks are loading Kirby Dock there. I mean, Seth Jarvis, Peyton Krebs, Connor McMichael of the Caps. I mean, the Caps are definitely going to loan him there. Even though I think McMichael may potentially um, have a spot in the Capitals lineup. I mean, Cole Perfetti, Jack Quinn, Ryan Suzuki. Um, you look at their defense, Bowen Byram, Jamie Drysdale, Thomas Harley, Ryan O'Rourke, Donovan Sabrango, Jordan Spence, um, Devon Levy, Taylor Gauthier as their goal as their goaltending. It's just, this is just such a stacked team. And, you know, the best part is this this World Juniors Championship could, would honestly could get even more stacked. Because the New York Rangers could totally let Lafreniere go to Canada during this. Because I don't even think the season is going to be started by this point. I think that the, the tournament is expected to be late December or something like that. So, I mean, it gets them extra hockey. Of course, you do have the injury risk for it. Though, I mean, I think... Um, you, they should still do it because it gets the young players just more playing time before they step into the NHL. You know, Kako to um, Finland, and then you potentially could have New Jersey loans Jack Hughes to the United States. I mean, this is really lining up to be a super tournament. That's if the Rangers and Devils decide to do that. But I still think this is Canada's tournament to lose. I mean, just look how stacked they are on the roster of the names I just listed. I don't think the United States are winning it. I don't think Finland's going to win it. I don't think Russia's going to win it. You know, Switzerland, Sweden, all the other countries that are in it. You know, this is Canada's tournament to lose. Just with how stacked they are, with how good of prospects that they can field in year in and year out, it's just not fair. Like I said, I'm really 
excited to see Sam Pulin play, hopefully in the top six. I mean, they can play him anywhere in the lineup. Hell, you can have Sam Pulin on your fourth line. It would be like, oh my God, like, it's just like, it's just not fair. You know, it's almost like seeing Canada at the Olympics and we are going to get um, the NHL players returning to the Olympics in the next Winter Olympics. It's it's going to be awesome. When is it? I think it's 2022 or something like that. I think that was actually the deal with the return to play was that the NHL players are allowed to participate in the next Winter Olympics. So, like I said, it's basically just a big parallel with Canada at the Olympics. I mean, you can put Sidney Crosby as your second-line center and Connor McDavid as your first-line center. Your third-line center there is Jonathan Taves, and then your fourth-line center, you can put Austin Matthews, John Tavares, I mean, Jamie Benn, potentially. There's, there's so many options for Canada. I mean... There's, it's going to be ridiculous to see how it is at the Olympics. So this is probably like the one big year where I'll actually pay a lot of attention to the World Juniors. I just don't watch them a lot of times just because I, I don't know a lot of the prospects that are there. I just I don't get involved with a lot of prospect talk. But the fact that I do know a lot of the names this year, I'm actually paying attention to them just because of how loaded this draft class was, so to speak. I mean, I'm just I'm really excited to follow it and just see, you know, which team ends up winning it. Again, I think it's going to be Canada. And I really want to see how Poulin does when he does go there. I mean, especially, you know, it could be like a preview for the Penguins to see what they're going to be getting from him if he does make the team out of training camp. I think there's a greater than 50% chance that he does make this team, especially with Aston Reese out until February or March. I mean, I don't think Lafferty is going to get a spot. I would put Poulin in the lineup over Sam Lafferty. But, you know, it's going to be a very competitive training camp for the Penguins. And like I said, it's basically like a showcase to the coaching staff and the management to see what Poulin can do with some of the best young players um, in the world. A lot of players that, you know, have not played in NHL games yet. Well, virtually none of them have played in NHL games yet. So I don't really know why I'm saying that. But still, it, like I said, it's just a big test and I'm excited to actually watch it. So that tournament happens right around Christmas time. I think it um, ends um, January 1st, January 2nd or something like that. So basically it's, they're going to have it end right as the NHL comes back. But I also think the NHL is going to push back their start point to February along with the AHL. I just don't see how on the NHL it's going to be feasible that it's going to be January. I just don't see it with how, you know, the numbers keep surging across the country right now. I mean, the U.S. Is, just keeps setting records day in and day out with some of the highest uh, coronavirus cases in the world. I just do not see how it's going to be January 1st. I just really, really don't see it. But that's basically wraps up this segment of the World Juniors talking. Before we do get to some haunted, you know, scary moments in Penguins history, it is time to talk about Bill Bar. There's 18 amazing flavors, six new ones, the cookies and cream, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, apple almond crisp. There's still the 12 original flavors, mint brownie, banana bread, peanut butter, German chocolate, raspberry, to name a few. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber. One of my favorite flavors is still the cookies and cream, 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs. They've reset the promo code for this relaunch. You can go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your next order. That is promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. So let's get weird. Let's get spooky. Let's talk about some of the most scariest moments in Penguins history. I mean, there's there's a bunch to choose from. I mean, obviously one of the biggest ones, David Volek, you know, the Islanders against the Penguins. 
Obviously, the people that know me, I am 23 years old in two weeks. I did not see that play live. I was not born to see it. I, my mom showed it to me when I was a little kid to start to get me into the franchise just because she wanted to see, like, to show me one of the biggest heartbreaking moments in Penguins history. I've seen highlights of it on TV all the time when they played the Islanders. I do not wish to see it again. That is truly one of the worst moments in Penguins history. That 92-93 team was probably their best team in franchise history with how stacked they were. The fact that they blew that 3-1 series to the Islanders was just utterly terrible. You know, I'll never forget David. I'll never forgive Volek for that because I think the Penguins steamroll um, in the Eastern Conference Finals. And I honestly think they win the Stanley Cup that year because I think it was against Colorado, if I'm not mistaken, in the final. I'm going to have to double check on that, but I believe it was Colorado. So yeah, that one was awful. I mean, if you want to talk about a playoff series that's spooky, that 2012 series against the Flyers, one of the most embarrassing moments for the Penguins franchise, I think, in their history. Just the fights, the the gooning it up every single game. James Neal running around like someone killed his mother or something. That headshot on Sean Couturier was one of the worst. Honestly, it's one of the worst hits I've ever seen a Penguin make. That was just disgusting um i was right right after it it was a couple years later of course he was traded you know i was perfectly fine that they traded him i honestly wanted neil gone at that point just because he was just costing the penguins games i get the fact that he was a 40 goal scorer for this franchise but he was just utterly terrible in that series i don't know why the penguins decided to lose their way i mean dan biles was just bad as a coach during that year. Marc-Andre Fleury didn't help matters with his sub-below replacement level goaltending. I mean, they win that with just even below average goaltending. Hell, even average because Berzgalov was like below 900 for that six-game series as well. But still, I mean, just a very embarrassing moment in the franchise's history. And I was actually reading this article from um, The Athletic. I think Josh Yoey and Rob Rossi, they also did a couple haunted things as well. I totally forgot about this moment. October 13, 2011. This definitely makes the list. Aaron Asham, he knocks out Jay Beagle in that fight. At that point, I was fine with fighting. I mean, I was also like, what time, how, how, when was this? October 13th. So I was still 13 at the time. I was 14. So I think I was in eighth grade. That year, it's fine with fighting. You know, I'm a little kid. Uh, she's still just a teenager, I guess. But, you know, I didn't realize how bad, you know, the concussion problems were at that point. I just remember after that fight, he basically just put the sleep he put the sleep uh, motion on. And he just like, it was like the motion that he was just knocked out. I just, I absolutely loved that. But, you know, looking at it in hindsight, that was a pretty brutal fight. It was just a brutal punch, too, because it was just a one punch. I mean, the same could be said for... um Brent Johnson versus Ricky Pietro. I think it was from that same year. Uh, they start fighting at the center ice. Brent Johnson just suckered one punches uh, Ricky Pietro, and that's basically it for his career because I think he only played a few more games after that. And I think he like, just yeah he was not the same after that. It was a brutal fight for him. Yeah, his his career basically ended that day. That was a pretty spooky moment. And then you know you have that awful fight up on Long Island at the Nassau Coliseum with freaking Trevor Gillies. I mean. I I think I can speak for a lot of you that listen to the show, including myself. I think probably people wanted to murder him on the ice with how he was just chasing after people with blood. I mean, what he did to Max Talbot, especially. I think he came off the bench a few times to sucker punch someone. And I think they I think someone ran a story on that. I think it was this past year or last year, and he still feels no remorse about it to this day. Dude's a piece of shit. Um, honestly, all the Islanders goons during that game are just all pieces of shit. Um, I will never um, forget that night, just how bad of a game it was. Just because Brent Johnson sucker punched Rick DiPietro, they had to go out and just fight everyone they saw. And it was honestly one of the worst hockey games 
I ever watched. I mean, I think my mom honestly probably threw the remote at the TV or something. But I remember I was just screaming in my family room, just a bunch of stuff that I am not allowed to repeat on this podcast. That's for sure. I would probably never allow be allowed to be uh, uh, doing this podcast again. So that that's for sure. But still, that's one of the worst moments of like this past decade. Absolutely. Um, you know, another one, you know, that, that series against Boston in 2013, the Penguins again lost their way in such a way that it was just, it was comical to watch. I mean, they blitzed through the Islanders in six games. I mean, the Islanders, it was a tougher series. And I think people, um, I, it was just more tough, I think, than people thought it was going to be, I guess is the way I should put it. They still were able to get past them. And then they blitzed the Senators in five games. They had no chance. And then, you know, you go up against a Bruins team. Everyone's like, oh yeah, man, we're going to go to the Stanley Cup final. This team is stacked. And then the Bruins just make them look like a peewee team. And that four-game sweep, I mean, Tomas Vokun, he was playing good for basically that entire series, and they still couldn't even score. I mean, Tuka Rask, I remember it was like two goals in four games that he allowed. One of them was Chris Kunitz. The other one was Brandon Sutter. I still don't know how I remember that seven years later, but I do. And, you know, it was at that point that I definitely wanted Shiro and Biles Magan. I was stunned they brought both of them back. I just couldn't believe. I think they announced that press conference for uh, – ratio after the the, uh, the season it was like oh my god he's finally gonna fire dan balsma give the dude an extension it's like you're gonna give the uh, a guy an extension for two of the worst postseason losses that this franchise has seen in quite a while i mean uh, okay ray if you want to die on that hill you can he obviously did pay the price for it because he was out of his job um after the next season when they blew the 3-1 series lead to the new york rangers and i wouldn't classify that as like a haunted spooky moment because i think a lot of us we're glad that they lost that. I mean, looking at it in hindsight, they got two Stanley Cups after it. They got Sid and Gino now have three. They're chasing a fourth one. But, you know, it's it, looking back at it, I mean, if they had won that series, I mean, who knows what, what they look like today. Do they have more Cubs? Do they win that Stanley Cup that year? I mean, they probably get past Montreal, but do they win against Los Angeles in that Cup final? I, I don't know. I, I truly don't. So, it's pretty crazy looking back at, you know, I guess kind of being thankful that they lost it. I remember going into that game, I was like, I'm going to root for them to win, but if they lose, I'm not going to be as mad as I was the previous two seasons because those were just, that was just embarrassing. This one's not as embarrassing. It was just like, wow, I mean, Henrik Lundqvist just turned into God for three games and, you know, sometimes shit happens. But I'm um, another haunt, uh, just a haunted spooky moment. I mean, this one's kind of funny, but it's also just scary as well. I mean, the Penguins got blown out and that was Michelle Therrien's speech, you know, they're so soft, you know. Maybe Maxime Talbot, five foot eight. I gotta I, I link up that speech. It's just a, an amazing speech by Michelle Therrien. I think it was, you know, it was a pathetic performance. This was right as Cindy Crosby and Kenny Malkin were coming into their prime years. And, you know, it, it was still a pretty haunted moment just because of how bad they played. I don't remember the team that they played in that game. It might have been New Jersey, but, you know, it was just that speech. It was just, that was scary just because of how bad he was. And I remember like just the reporters were asking all these questions and he just like, he wasn't having it. He was just snapping at the players and, you know, that just, that speech was just awesome. I mean, we also can't forget Matt Cook's hit that made him basically change the way he played. I mean, that was honestly one of the most, uh, that's another one of the most embarrassing hits that I've ever seen while watching this team. I think it was on Ryan McDonough, 2010, 2011, something like that. And I mean, the NHL gave it, was it a 10 or 20 game suspension? I'm going to have to look that up real quick. Let me see here. Okay, so it was March 20th, 2011. Yeah, so it was a 10-game suspension. And I think the Penguins actually released a statement after the suspension saying they support the NHL in doing it. Matt Cook needs to change the way he plays or he's out of here. He was just on a constant roll of just 
injuring players for the sake of injuring them. I mean, I get that he was a big catalyst in the Penguin Stanley Cup run with that Cookstall-Kennedy line in 2009, but, you know, he was just a, da- a giant douche on the ice, you know, especially with hits like that, just a total unnecessary hit, garbage is another way to describe it. And, you know, after that, to his credit, he did change, but, you know, that's one of the most embarrassing hits that I've ever seen, uh, coupled with James Neal shenanigans in 2012 um, in franchise history. And then, you know, another one that will keep you haunted, you know, Jack Johnson and Justin Schultz in these years' playoffs. I mean, it wasn't that they were on the ice for the goals against Montreal Canadiens. They were actively causing them. You know, you go back to game three, they're up three to one. Justin Schultz can't even tie up. I think it was Max Domi's stick to make it a 3-2 game. I mean, Jack Johnson just barfing all over himself in the defensive zone like it's nothing. I remember in game one, of course, they're below the goal line. I think all five forwards are just lost. And then Jeff Petrie just gets a wide open chance in the slot buries it past uh, Matt Murray. And it's just like, what are Schultz and Johnson doing there? You know, thank God they're gone. I know the third pairing is now Matheson and CC, And we might have some nightmares of our own that we can talk about for next Halloween, especially with regards to Cody CC. But, you know, right now, just what a tired fire that Jack Johnson experiment was. It was almost every night you were seeing a spooky moment from him that just makes you just scarred for life. And it was just, you know, thank God the Jack Johnson era is over. I will say that. And, you know, as well, how can we forget about the 1996 loss against the Florida Panthers? You know, they were just trapping their way to the Stanley Cup final. I mean, they ended up losing, of course. And also, this is my mistake. I said the 92-93 final when talking about how they were the, the 93 Penguins were the greatest team in franchise history. Well, of course, that was the Los Angeles Kings in that Stanley Cup final. I totally mixed up the Avalanche and the Kings um, during the Stanley Cup final. The Avalanche made it in 96. The Kings made it in 93. And, you know, the Penguins would have not have lost to the Islanders. I think we would have seen Gretzky versus Lemieux in a Stanley Cup final for probably the only time in franchise history. I still wish we could have gotten that. And then in 96, if they would have been the Florida Panthers, we would have gotten Penguins Avalanche. So that's my apologies on that. I can't believe I mixed that up. That's just embarrassing to me that I did that. But you know, we all move on. We all make mistakes. So I mean, yeah, that Panthers lost. I mean, the Penguins were just so talented that year. Lemieux was still at the height of his power. And the Panthers were just a terrible team. I mean, that that trap that they ran was just brutal watch. I mean, I've gone back and watched highlights of that series. And I just I still can't believe they lost that series. Again, I wasn't alive to watch it. It was, you know, a year before I was born. But just man, what a gut wrenching loss easily still haunts a lot of Penguins fans from the 90s and the 80s that were around to see it. You know, a lot of people that are my age, of course, were not able to see it. But, you know, just going back and seeing the highlights on TV then on YouTube, it's just, I, I can understand why it haunts so many Penguins fans to this day. I mean, there's just no way they should have lost that series. Getting away from series, you know, if you want to talk about actual moments in some of these series, you know, you go back to the 2012 one that I touched on. Danny Breer is offside. I mean, I just, I will never get over that. How a ref missed that call when he was like 50 feet offsides was just a joke. An utter freaking joke. I mean, I'm glad that they brought the offsides challenge in after that, though. There is problems with the offside challenge. It is not a perfect system. It probably will never be a perfect system with offsides. I mean, you can definitely convince me that they should take away offsides um, in some situations for the rule. But in this one, I mean, that dude was just, 50, like I said, he was 50 feet offsides. How a ref missed that was just embarrassing. Changed the outcome of that game, to be honest. I think the Penguins win that game if Briere, um, if he is called offsides there and they don't score. Because I think it was 
um, second period, honestly, towards the late stages of the end of it, and he scored, which put them a uh, three to one going into the third period. And then, you know, when that happened, of course, the Flyers get lucky. Then you honestly just knew that they were going to blow the lead in the third period because Marc Andre Fleury was just terrible in that period. And then the overtime, I remember when that game went into overtime, like, yeah, they're just not winning this game. There's just, I would be stunned if they did. Of course, they did, and they went on to lose in embarrassing fashion. And then, Another big moment during that era, you know, the 2013 win when I think Malkin was hooked by Yager, which led to the Bergeron goal in double overtime. I'll never get over that, how a ref missed that call, but you know, that's just typical postseason officiating. So, you know, I guess it's whatever at this point. And then, you know, I just, I, I'll never understand how Sidney Crosby lost the Hart Trophy during the 2012-2013 season. Yes, I understand Ovechkin went on a heater with goals towards uh, during that last month of the season when Crosby was hurt, but it took until the last day of the regular season for Marty St. Louis to pass him in points. He had such a big lead. I mean, I, he missed, I think it was like the final 12 games. It took someone 12 games to overtake him in points that year with that broken jaw. Just because Brooks Orpik accidentally broke his jaw, Sid loses the Hart Trophy because Ovechkin decided to get hot for the last month of the season. It was the Hart Trophy voting was just awful that year. I don't still know how Sid did not get that. So that that will always haunt me a bit. And of course, you know, Sid's big confession, you know, he probably has over 1,400 points at this point. He probably has close to 1,500 points at this point if he was not concussed for over a year, year and a half. I'll just, I'll never forget David Steckel for that hit. And then, you know, Victor Hedman for just pushing him into the boards like that. Just had to miss a year, year and a half. It just, ugh, I, I, I can't even think about it. It just makes me sick. And then if you want to talk some haunted trades before we do um, end this episode, I mean, you can talk about Jim Rutherford a lot in the last couple of years. Ryan Reeves, you know, haunted from the start, just utterly terrible. Douglas Murray for two second round picks is still one of the worst trades I've ever seen. Ray Shiro, I will never forgive you for that. I know he had that awesome goal in the playoffs against the Islanders, but still, I mean, two second round picks for Douglas freaking Murray. I mean, come on at this point. I'm still trying to think of more from like, the Ray Shiro days. I mean, you could talk about plenty from the days before Ray Shiro there. I mean, the Yager trade to Washington was just trash. Um, they traded Alexei Kovalev, and again, trash. But, you know, I also kind of blame their shitty owner at the time before Lemieux came in. It was um, Howard Baldwin. Yeah, that guy sucks. You know, he was just responsible for, I think, a lot of those trades just because I don't even think he could afford to pay those players, if I'm not mistaken. But still, I mean, those trades were just utterly garbage. And then, of course, guys, how can we forget the Marcus Naslin to Vancouver for Stojanov? I mean, that's just, that's in the, one of the five worst trades of Penguins history. I do not know what the hell they were thinking at that time. I mean, Naslin, he would go on to score 395 career NHL goals, play 12 seasons with Vancouver. I mean, this other guy scored two goals and four assists, was forced to retire. I mean, honestly, I know Jim Rutherford has screwed up a lot in his tenure here. This is still worse than anything he's ever done. And I, I would put this way over Jack Johnson. I mean, like I said, the Yager trade to Washington for three prospects, garbage. Zubov for Kevin Hatcher, that trade was, that still gives me the creeps to this day. Um, the Glenn Murray trade. I mean, like I said, I mean, they traded Kovalev. So yeah, I mean, there's just a Mount Rushmore of a bunch of awful trades even well before Jim Rutherford got here with Ryan Reeves and Eric Branson and, you know, just trading Jamie Alexiak back for no reason and all that stuff. So um, I think that will conclude today's episode with a bunch of haunted and scary memories that has happened to this franchise. Um, I hope you really all enjoyed listening to it, especially if you all love pain like me, you know, I just, there's always a good episode where you can just feel the pain of just a lot, all of these bad trades, bad signings, bad losses, bad moments, and some of those losses, just 
all that. We'll be back next week. Starting next week, we'll have three episodes a week for the whole month of November. Maybe the same for December. I'll let you guys know when they get that schedule. But until then, go Hokies this weekend. Go Steelers as they try to get to 7-0. And I will talk to you all uh, Monday. And then we'll have an episode Wednesday and Friday. So talk to you all then.